Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal or financial product advice. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James. Today on this episode, we're talking with a community member, podcast listener, all around pest in the Facebook group. His name's Neil Benson. Uh, He's from Queensland in Brisbane. Neil, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me on the show, Glenn. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Now, for those in the Facebook group, you might remember Neil from not so much his name, but from his profile image. It's a little Lego man. So if you've ever seen a little Lego man uh, comment, well, this is the, the culprit right here. There's a story behind that. We'll get into that later on, we'll perhaps. We'll get into that. So we're just going to have a bit of a chat about how Neil invests, how he sees the world with his money. We'll see if we can get into some trouble along the way. Uh, so you ready to have a chat, Neil? Absolutely. Bring it on, Glenn. Okay, so Neil, you are a Brisvegasian. And you came to the Brisbane show and I got to meet you there. So thanks for coming along and supporting us there. Can you just tell us maybe just a little bit about your history? You know, it's not a native accent that you've got. (laughs) So when did you end up on the island? Sure. So I'm Neil. I'm originally from Northern Ireland. I left there when I was 18, went to Edinburgh, was working there when I met a Brisbane girl called Natasha, and that's how I ended up in Brisbane. But I arrived here six years ago after 12 years in London and three years in Los Angeles, and my accent is pretty stuffed up. There's Northern Irish, Scottish, a little bit of London, mate, uh, some Californian, and I've just got my Australian citizenship, so who knows, I'll be speaking like a bogan any day now. Love it. Well, congratulations on uh, formalising your union to country, I guess. So... You're not a millennial. Post-millennial, wannabe, millennial. Millennial. However, I like to get every person of every age, slice of life and all that on the show because we can all learn from each other. What's the family sitch? You got Spawn? Yes, and Natasha and I have been married for 15 years. We've got three little kids, uh, Jensen who's nine, Zana who's six, and Mia who's four. And so, yeah, three little ones running around as well. Wow, amazing. So, Gen X, Neil from Brisbane, when did you start getting interested in money and why did you want to join the you know money groups? Because I think I threw it out in another group that we were in. Uh, I saw you commenting on stuff and I'm like, oh, hey, Neil, come and have a chat on My Millennial Money. So, what caused the interest in personal finance and investing for you? So, I've always been trying to save for my future and trying to think about retirement but I was driving back from San Francisco to Los Angeles when I was living in California. My wife had stayed on a few extra days with her parents. I had to get back to work. And I was in the Central Valley, California, driving down there, listening to the radio, whatever's on AM in the middle of nowhere. And this guy called Dave Ramsey came on the show or on the radio. And mm. for those of you who don't know him, he's a pretty 
widely known American author, podcaster, radio host. He's been going for years. And so he started talking about getting out of debt and saving for your future and had people on his show telling really interesting stories. So I got into it then and started listening to more of Dave Ramsey's work. And then I remember when I moved to Australia, I was living in London for a couple of months, moved to Australia and went, who is the Australian Dave Ramsey? And, and Glenn, your name didn't come up, but this other wannabe called Scott Pape, his name came up. And so I started following a barefoot investor and got into his stuff whenever I landed here. And that was really useful because when you're just new in Australia, I don't know what superannuation is. I didn't know what the ATO stood for, how important that would become in my life. Uh, so you had to learn all those kind of things pretty quickly. Health insurance. There's, there's a whole lot of little complexities about living in Australia that you just don't find in other countries. So I had to learn it pretty quick. And what took you to the US and Australia other than Natasha? But like, what, what's your career and what do you do? So I'm a, I'm a nerd by profession. I'm an IT guy. I help Microsoft customers and partners build business applications on the Microsoft platforms. And so I got a chance to work in America because one of the great things about IT is your skills are really transferable. You know, I've got friends who are doctors or nurses or teachers, and you have to kind of retrain or recertify if you want to move a country. IT dead easy. You know, you've got a, a technical certification or experience that easily translates to other countries. So it makes you very mobile. So we got an opportunity to work in the US and the guy there said, we've got 12 offices, pick whatever one you want. So we landed in Los wow. Angeles and yeah, had three great years there. Um, and it, it was halfway between London and Brisbane. So that's yeah. why we landed there. Just for my own indulgence, are you build, do you build like the equivalent of like AWS stuff for people? Um, so the equivalent to AWS is Microsoft Azure, and, yep. and we use some Azure services. The the core product I build on is called Dynamics, Microsoft yep. Dynamics 365. So think about sales, marketing, customer service databases. Um, so if you ring up an insurance company or a bank or you know your breakdown service and somebody needs to help you out with a customer service case, that could be our software that, that you're using or they're using mm -hmm. to serve you. So you're self-employed. Yeah, I've got two two businesses at the moment. So yeah, definitely self-employed right now. Yeah, awesome. How many staff do you employ? In one business, there's two. So my wife and I, and there's one technical consultant in one of the businesses. And then the new one, there's six co-founders. So we're all equal. It's a unit trust. So we're all equal trust holders, uh, unit holders, whatever it's called. Unit holders, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And yeah, that's really exciting. So that's the startup just getting going and we'll see where that one goes, but it's, it's looking good. Awesome. So... Let's dive in and have a look under the hood of your own personal situation. You landed in Australia. Obviously, you would have had to rent somewhere to start with. We were really lucky. We stayed with Natasha's mum and dad for 10 months. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't my idea, but I'm very grateful to them. But 10 months is a long time to stay with your in-laws. But uh, eventually, we found a house nearby. So we're just 500 metres around the corner. And yeah, we bought that about six years ago. And so we're just about to start some renovations. But... That was, you know, uh, I guess everybody looking for a house now is having a lot of challenges trying to get into the market. I felt the same way five or six years ago, and it was tough, and it's, it's not going to get any easier. I don't know if it's going to get any easier in the future. Yeah, I'm actually, I'd appreciate your thoughts on this. Like, you're a pretty well-traveled and international type person. Now that, you know, as at today, we're recording this on the 27th of October, but as of today, Australia have announced that as of next week, um, anyone can leave if they're fully vaxxed. I was thinking the other day, 
I think we will see some pressure taken off the home market and the housing market. I don't think it's going to collapse or anything like that. I just think it will probably stabilise and um, chill out just a little bit because now that more of us can travel, we're going to obviously spend more money on travelling and doing all that, which means there's less money here to spend on stuff like homes. Yep. Like, what's your view on that just from a, a guy in Brisbane as yeah. a guy in so Blue Bay? It's really strange when the pandemic hit. You know, We saw this dip in the market, in the stock market at least, I, I thought the housing market would come under real stress, but things have taken off. I would love to do some renovations here at home. You cannot mm. find a tradie or a building contractor for love nor money. The price of timber has gone up by 30 or 40%. So the other thing we thought of doing was to buy a new car. And you can't yeah. get a new car. We're on a nine or 10-month waiting list for a new Gosh. car. Um, so microchips and timber, who knew? It's just bizarre, the things that are in short supply. What car did you order? Oh, uh, a family bus, a Kia Carnival, eight-seater. Eight uh, Two-toot, move over. Yeah, I used to have um, I used to have a membership of a sports car club, so I had a lot of rat race cars and, yeah, times have changed. <laughs> Three little kids. Yeah. So six, nine, and four, that's a bit of a, uh, a good age because, you know, they can feed themselves and, you know, walk around themselves and all that now. Yep. How, how are you positioning money with teaching those kids your kids. Uh, I think I'm trying to do it at least as similar to how my parents taught me, which is you get money for doing jobs around the house. So Jensen's nine. He's been cutting the grass for a couple of years. He gets $10. So $5 to do in the back, $5 to do in the front. He sometimes gives up halfway through, but he doesn't get paid and, um, you know, the $10 unless he does all of it. Um, the girls, uh, they also get money for doing chores. And so they've got to help out and do a job. And then we have um, some jars and they, they split their money between Splurge, so this is you know Scott Pape's uh, barefoot families, the splurge jar for spending on sweets and at the Eka and that kind of stuff, and then a save jar so they can think about what they want to save up for, and then a give jar so they can give money away to uh, a charity or something through school normally. Yeah, and how is that going? Are you seeing the different personalities come out of that, like spender or saver with the kids? Yeah, for sure. Um, Zana, our middle daughter, she's a spender. She will spend her save money on candy at the first opportunity. Uh, Mia's yeah. a little bit younger. She, she doesn't have three jars. She's just got one piggy bank. Um, yeah. And Jensen's really good. He can uh, knuckle down and he bought a hoverboard, cost $350. He sold his skateboard, which he'd bought with his spend money before to fund that. So he's, he's pretty good. He's got a bit more focus on on a long-term savings goal, but he's a bit older as well. So, Yeah, awesome. So with your own financial situation, and I'm just letting everyone know, like I just jumped on with Neil and I said, we'll just have a chat. I haven't even planned anything for this episode. So we're just going to see where the road takes us. So you've got your house that you live in. How have you structured your mortgage? Really pretty simply. We went with a broker who did us a deal with ING. That's a... Pretty traditional uh, P&I mortgage with an offset account. We have quite a large pot of savings in an offset account. You know, people talk about how much should you have in your emergency fund. I'm always many times that because I'm self-employed. Uh, I just never know what's going to happen. So I like to have plenty of cash. And then we also like saving up for the car, saving up for holidays, saving up for the renovations. Those savings pots all sit in that offset account. So you've just got the one offset account and then you kind of quarantine it with a spreadsheet yeah, or some other document. Right. Yep, I'd love yep. to find an app that helped me do that, but you know, a spreadsheet seemed to be just as good. Yep. So, um, I also got little pots in there for paying my rates bill, paying my utilities, paying my 
uh, insurances. So everything goes into little pots in there, and I try to pay it off annually, so the annual expenses come out of there once a year. And yeah, the money until then sits in our offset and gets... Uh, yeah, perfect. And you're a, I guess, a money nerd compared to you know the regular people on the street who aren't listening to My Millennial Money and other things like that. What's Natasha like with her money nerd status? Uh, well, listen, I'm maybe a money nerd as as far as some people go who don't listen to my millennial money, but I reckon within your community, within your Facebook group, you know, yeah. I'm trying to keep up. There's a lot of nerds in there that love to talk about it, but it's all good. Yeah. Natasha is probably not as engaged as I am, but we do have regular catch ups. You know, we plan all of our major spending. Uh, Last week we had a we went out to the movies and we had a date night and before we started that she updated me on the plans for the renovation we chose some kitchen cabinets and I'd give her an update on all of our investments and you know when we hope to retire and all that kind of stuff so we're in it together um, yeah. but she takes the lead on some stuff and I take the lead on others so you're in your forties yeah yep can you give me a number forty six forty six so mid forties when is this um, what's your view on this like retiring early like do you guys want to literally get to 55 and sell the business tools down and sit on a beach or are you more of a a lifestyle type of you know do your own thing on your own terms yeah so I, I really enjoy my work but I'm not sure I would go to work if nobody was paying me for it so mm. if I didn't need the money I might be able to do some projects that were for charitable causes right so today that charity would need to pay me for consulting services. But in the future, it'd be great to say, hey, no, look, you just run a cause that I believe in. I'd love to come and spend a couple of weeks, a couple of months helping you sort out your business systems, and that's at no cost. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. And we have investment accounts, or retirement accounts, I should say, in the US and in the UK that we can't really access from yeah. Australia. So the plan is to retire to the US, run that pot down, go to the UK and run that pot down and then come back to Australia and live out a nice, you know, golden years here in Brisbane. Wow, wow. Okay, you've given me lots of stuff to uh, get my claws into. So have you got a target age where you do want to be financially free? Uh, another 10 years at this would be good. Yeah. Um, it'll yeah. depend upon what the market does and how much we're able to save and, you know, what, yeah. what happens with the kids between now and then. Yeah. Um, and just on the kids, are we sending them to private high school or... I, I would. They go to a local Catholic primary school. It's the one that Natasha went to when she was a little girl. The fees are very reasonable. I'm not a big fan of private schools, so we're desperately trying to avoid private schools for high school. Having said that, the suburb in which we live in Brisbane has the worst performing high school, the state high school in Queensland. So, we, wow, good we, suburb. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that when we moved here, but. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've got to find out what we're going to do there. So that's the kind of sticking point in our family at the moment is what the heck do we do about high school? Well, I, and I guess, you know, they've got three or four years to clean up that school anyway, so it could change, who knows? Yep. Um, yeah, and there's, there's, they've just opened up a new school. Uh, we're mm. just outside the catchment area for that, but maybe we can get in there. They're taking on scholarships and all sorts. Yeah. Or, or we can find some other options. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so move to the US to retire, quote unquote, to deplete that money. So is that like, is it a 401k that you've got over there? Yeah, there's a 401k and then a Roth 401k. Roth. So yeah, a bit of both. Okay. Uh, yeah. One is you pay taxes and then you invest and you get the money yeah. tax-free at the other end, which is a yeah. bit like super. And yeah. then the other one is tax-free money on the way in, but you get taxed on your income when you draw it out. Yeah, which is the Roth, I believe. That's right. Um, 
how much money are we talking that's sitting over there at the moment? Uh, there's a couple of hundred thousand dollars, probably four or five. If you convert it into Australian, yeah, it's probably four or five hundred thousand yeah. dollars. So another ten years, it might be a million dollars. You bloody IT people do quite well, don't you? That was we were. <laughs> We had one kid at that point, and we were saving super aggressively. So, yeah, yeah. Um, we put a lot of money into retirement when we lived in the U- U.S. But just on that, like looking back, so you had so you're 46 now. You're basically my age when you had your first child-ish, right? Yep. So I guess you know, in in my situation. If I turn around and I'm 46 year old, it wouldn't be that absurd for me to say, "Oh, I've got a 500 grand account over there." Like because I've delayed the kid thing, right? And all I've focused on was working and saving and and whatnot. So you know, I, I'd imagine when the kid thing happens, the savings did decrease somewhat, yep. Uh, or the savings rate. So it's just horses for courses. Like those who have had kids straight out of the bat or out of the gate or whatever off the bat, you know their savings and investing will probably start when the kids are in high school or yeah. finish school. So it's just whatever works, right? I um, I have to admire the people who are in their 20s and 30s trying to become financially independent, retire early, and they don't have any kids yet. They're like, oh, we're almost there. You know, A million dollars is our number, and then we're going to retire, which is great. And then they're going to plan to have kids. And I just, they have no idea how expensive life is going to get when you have to upgrade your car and your house and your insurances and buy them clothes and food and they wreck everything. Yeah, it gets super expensive really quickly. Yeah, how funny. So with the, like, have you talked to somebody uh, with options about getting the money down from the US? I have, yeah. So I had, um, I spoke to, in fact, one of the, People, I think, was on your show from yeah James, James from Atlas Wealth. From Atlas yeah. Wealth, he was yeah. amazing. So, oh, he's so, so. Can you now see why I just send people yeah. with anything international to Atlas Wealth? Yep. So yeah. very helpful. That was a free initial consultation. So thank you, James. I really appreciate the whatever it is half an hour you spent with me, forty five mm. minutes. His advice was, you could bring the money into Australia, but because you've left it. Um, you've got six months whenever you become an Australian tax resident, you have six months to bring it in. Otherwise, you've got to pay tax on it. So you've stuffed yourself. Basically, just yeah. leave it over there. It's, yeah. it's in a recognized retirement account. The ATO won't tax you on it. But um, if you try to bring it into Australia, they will. So Yeah, yeah. interesting. I mean, and it just goes to show that like, we can only control what we can control. So all you can do is focus on building wealth in your life in Australia at age 55 if the ducks line up and you go over there, sweet. Yeah. If not, you may have to pay some tax on it as you bring it down. Like, right. what do you do? Like, you can't be held ransom by this amazing option, can you? No, I, I'd be very happy to, if it came to it, to pay taxes on that money as you brought it into Australia. We're Australian tax residents. Like I just said, I'm very honoured to become an Australian citizen. Pay my taxes, man. I have no problem doing any of that. Mm. And Australia has given us a good life so far. I'm sure it will continue to do that, despite what the government's up to at the moment with... Um, there's net zero policies and everything. It's Life's going to get yeah. better in Australia. So, um, yeah, really pleased to be here and pay my taxes and pay my fair share. Yeah, no, that's really good. And what's it invested in? So the Roth over there and the 401k, is the 401k a company plan that you don't have much say or latitude on? No, I got out of that. So I don't want, I think that was initially pitched to me. It's like the company's got this 401k. Sure. But I pretty quickly transferred it out of that into something in my own name so I could control it. 
and that's with a brokerage firm called TD Ameritrade. Oh, yeah. And it's invested. They're like one of the biggest yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's like the bloody like They've just been Vanguard acquired by yeah. Charles Schwab, so they're not yeah. even bigger. Uh, yeah. So it's a pretty safe company. They have a little bit of a hard time when they find out I live in Australia, so I've had to take out a, uh, a postal address in the US, pretend <laughs> I live there. And it's just invested in pretty safe uh, investments. I'm a big believer in big basket ETFs. However, I do have a couple of individual investments. One is Microsoft. That's yep. done really well. So I bought shares in Microsoft the day that Steve Ballmer announced his resignation. He's the former CEO, and those have like, gone up 500% or something since Satya Nadella uh-huh. took over. And then yep. I thought there was a period when Microsoft would acquire Adobe, so I bought some shares in Adobe. That hasn't happened, but the Adobe shares have outperformed Microsoft, so I'm pretty happy. Yeah. You know what? I'm so like... I'm so bullish on Microsoft, hey. Like, I just rate them so much. Uh, they're good, really good quality leadership at the moment, great products. And I think at home, people don't rate them as much because they definitely have taken their eye off the consumer. You know, mm. we, we tend to use Apple devices or Android devices at home. Microsoft's mm. pulled right out of that market. So, but at, at business and big business, loves it. It's, you know, like really rock solid products now, very scalable, great, great pricing, and yeah, plenty of skills. But they're 4A or Fiore or whatever you, or however you pronounce it. How do you pronounce it? Let me just go. Foray? I'm just going to do the definition. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. I have foray, a sudden attack or incursion into enemy territory. Yeah. So they're foray, in, like the Surface laptop really changed the game. Like that hardware, it's rock solid. And I've got a MacBook Pro and I've got a Surface laptop. I'm a Microsoft dude anyway, like, I grew up using Microsoft. I'm more um, flexible or efficient using Microsoft crap like Windows. I've got the iPhone, uh, but it's such a better device. Like the battery's better, the touchscreen's awesome. Uh, it's a legit laptop, right? So yeah, I think there's people who would fight you to the death for saying things like that, Glenn. But um, yeah, I'm not. Well, one I I rock the boat. I've um, Sometimes, like, I'll put an Apple sticker on the Surface laptop and stuff like that. Just mess with people. <laughs> um, it could be worse. You could put a Windows sticker on your Apple MacBook Pro. Yeah. Okay. So, US is kind of ticking along. The UK, is that just the UK pension scheme? What's the deal over there? Yeah, so I've got a self-invested personal pension. And, yep. um, yeah, again, it's invested in some Vanguard ETFs. And I'm actually trying to simplify it because I probably had seven or eight different ETFs. I had, like, a top 50 in China I had some property ETFs and things. I'm just trying to simplify it and get down to one ETF. Mm. Oh, can I ask you a question? In the, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. UK, there's a st- yeah. style of managed fund called an accumulation fund, yeah. where instead of paying dividends, they take all that money and they just grow the value of the unit. So yeah. there's no payout, which is great yeah. if you want to delay yeah. taxes until later. In Australia, there doesn't seem to be an equivalent. Like Every ETF will pay out some kind of distribution. I think it's just the product design off the top of my head. Right. Um, so basically, let, let's just do some live Googling, shall we? Accumulation uh, Investment UK. So what I think it is, oh, here we go. Income or accumulation units. So this is the Barclays website. Uh, once you've selected to invest with us, you're likely to buy, you have the most... Uh, you'll learn... I actually think, Neil, it's a product design. So what they've done is they just literally reinvest the internal dividends and distributions yes. and not spit it out. 
Um, that's all they do. And yeah. that's different from dividend reinvestment plans here, which do generate the money and then they buy the units for you. Yeah, so a couple of things. And again, this is, I'm well off the beaten track here. I'm just, you know, after a two second look and what you've said, and I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, someone correct us in the Facebook group. I would understand there could be some year on year tax things. So they literally have produced the income or, which is, and I think it's more the or, maybe they've got some tax ruling where they will get you on the way out or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I, I don't think there's, I think it is more of, I think it is more of a product design. So yeah, anyway, it's interesting. So the self-invested pension in the UK, not, I mean, I've only dealt with a lot of older clients in their sixties with UK pension schemes. Um, so I'm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I know the same rules apply bringing it down. You know, you've just got to tax it here locally. Um, you can't, well, it's almost you wouldn't bother anymore um, rolling it down into super here. Uh, that just got too hard. Yeah, it got too hard. You had to set up a self-managed superannuation fund here yeah. and then pay lots and lots of fees and percentages to people. And I got, I still get quite a few calls from people in tax havens and things saying, oh, we've got this program where you can roll your money into uh, a fund in the Cayman Islands or something. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So first yeah. of all, don't want to end up in the Panama Papers or anything. That's, that's definitely no, not me. That's right. Plus, anybody who's cold calling me stands to make a lot of money. That's just by definition. Yeah. 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 And what would you say the value of that is in the UK? That's probably something similar. Um, yeah. It, I, I earned less when I lived in the UK. I was a bit younger, sure. but I was there for a lot longer. So it's probably similar to that. Yeah, cool, cool. So you, you basically... You're doing okay. You're um, or very well in some, to some people's standards. So that's awesome, and you've worked hard and and you know made the right decisions with your career and family life and all that. So what are you doing uh, for money in Australia? In terms of what are you doing to invest money in Australia? Uh, if there's any left, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've we've tried a little bit of everything. So yeah. um, I was really interested to hear some of the interviews you had talking about a product called Gen Life. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Investment bonds. Yes. So we have an AMP investment bond with about twenty thousand in it. We have a Gen Life yeah. investment bond with around eight thousand, and I'm just not convinced. I think those are great products for people in certain scenarios. Yeah. I think in your scenario, you were talking about wanting to set it up and give it to people in your family. Yeah. Um, so it's an estate planning product in your mind. For other people, it can be a tax advantaged product. In our case, I just don't think we weighed up all the pros and cons enough before we went in. So mm. we've got that money in there. We're not going to touch it. We're not going to grow it. Um, so we'll benefit from that in, you know, whenever the 10 years is up and we'll take that out. Well, that Gen Life one, you could literally just earmark that for the kids or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it'll sit yeah. there and, and take over. It's, it's growing pretty well. And uh, I need to give them a call and find out if I've got it invested in the right underlying products that suit my style. And then mm. Natasha and I both have a superannuation fund just with choice, uh, sorry, with Host Plus and their Choice Plus product. Yep. Um, so you can invest in some companies and ETFs. We just invested in like four or five ETFs with the 80% yep. that you're allowed to invest. Yeah. So that's been trucking along quite nicely as well. The brokerage fees are pretty high, but we only invest in the Choice Plus part once a year. So. Right. So, how does that work? Like, does it accumulate just in the 
you know, their default balanced fund with a 20% or do you just accumulate it in cash and then no, so execute the, once a year? So the, the 80% you can invest yourself. The yep. 20% you have to choose one of their investment options, but you can choose yeah. any of them. You can yep, choose the right. cash one. You can, we've got it in shares, uh, international shares. So it's still our preferred style. We're all into equities. And yep. so uh, we've got 20% in their international shares, uh, bundled kind of investment option. And then the other 80% is split across four or five ETFs. So do you cap out your super each year, both of you? Try to, yeah. So we take, yeah. take a look in May and see, you know, have we got to the 25? Now it's $27,500. Yeah. And then, yeah, we'll try and either make a, a personal contribution or get the business to make a contribution up to the limit. Yeah, cool. And is there any other investing that you do in your life? We have recently set up a family trust yeah. Uh, so this for, for the new business, you'll love this. So mm-hmm. I like to keep my life pretty simple. The investment yeah, bonds and things a little bit more complicated. So there's a little bit of complexity there. The new business that we set up, we got six co-investors, co-founders. So there's a yep. unit trust. Yeah. There's a and co- the family trust owns your unit. That's right. There's a family trust yep. owns each of the units. Then the, each of the family trusts has a beneficiary that's a bucket company, and yep. the bucket company has a, is a can pay out is owned by another family trust. Right. And so the accountant, the business advisor who set it all up for us, yeah, set up seven, four, what's that, plus seven, like 14 or 15 trusts, Jeez. five or six companies. It, yeah, it got very crazy very quickly. They did all right out of you? Uh, the fees were pretty reasonable. I, I think a couple of mm. grand to set all that up is, is pretty reasonable. And the big benefit for us is that there's some intellectual property rights and, and tax advantages. So if we're going to grow a software company and mm. begin to sell software licenses, then this is the best business structure for doing that. So you know, I'm not afraid to pay for good advice and take yeah. it up. So. Yeah, same. So like for me, um, my family trust actually owns all the My Millennial Money names, the IPs, the trademarks, um, and Summo Interactive, our operating company, which I also own, um, pays a licensing fee right. over to the family trust. So same thing, like it just, um, and for example, um, I'm just thinking, is this stuff I should say or can say publicly, but whatever, we're here now. Um, my book royalties uh, go into my family trust, not into the operating company. Right. So just so if one day, you know, someone walked along and said, here, Glenn, have a shat load of money. Um, can we have my millennial money? It just gives me the latitude to keep the book and my other stuff separate. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've got no intention of um, doing anything because I love what I do. So it's just, it goes back to that um, good planning and good advice because if you get that right, you just get more options down the track if situations present themselves, right? Yep. And that's, that's exactly what we wanted is just to keep things flexible, some asset protection in there as well. So got a couple of businesses. I don't think IT is a very risky industry, but it's a chance I could mess up somebody's project and get sued and, and want to have my assets protected. So yeah, we yeah. need to structure correctly and take out the right insurance and things as well. Well, and the good thing now is now that you've got the family trust there, um, that's now your wealth creation vehicle for the rest of your life. Um, so like my family trust, I've got a self-worth account yep. that's owned by the family trust. Um, so I guess you'd probably almost be running out of money if you're... Um, Starting a business and got kids and capping out your super. Like, <laughs> are you um, anything else on the horizon in terms of investing? Um, the one thing we're going to do, hoping to get a decision any day now, actually, through the family trust, is start 
the equity builder product from, oh, yeah. from NAB. So that's where you can borrow some money from NAB and invest it in shares. I'm not a property guy. I'm never going to buy an investment property. So I wanted a way of accelerating my share portfolio. And this seems like a good way of doing it. I think most people who take out the NAB equity builder or any mm. kind of margin loan probably do it under their own names. And I'm doing it under the family trust. So that's taking them a little while to work through that. What's the reason? The, why we're doing it inside the family yeah. trust? Just because we want that growth to be inside a vehicle where we can, in later years, um, all our kids are beneficiaries of that family trust yeah. as well. And we can share out the money and share out the income from it. Yeah. Um, so just an estate planning thing. So why, and again, I don't know your situation. See, I, I considered the NAB equity builder, right? What are the rates like? They're a bit higher than the run-of-the-mill rates, right? Right. So if I was to remortgage our house, we could probably yeah, get a better, yeah. better rate. So the classic debt recycling idea is to f- release some equity from your home loan, take out another mortgage, which is then what you use to, to go and buy some shares. I don't think we can do that. We're kind of stuck with ING. When I started the mortgage with them, I was mm. working for a big, big four advisory yeah. consulting firm. You know, nice job, very safe. When I quit that job three years ago to go out on my own again, uh, the bank didn't like that at all. So they consider us to be self-employed, even though we're PAYG employees of a company. We own the company, so they consider us to be self-employed. And trying to remortgage, trying to get a good rate. You know, you see a headline rate advertised. That's not always available for self-employed people. And especially with a company that's reasonably young, it's only got two years of accounts available. Um, It's pretty hard to do that kind of debt recycling strategy or even to remortgage our our home to do the renovations. So NAB. I I think, talk to your mortgage broker, because I know for a fact, only because I'm literally doing it at the moment, ANZ will look at one year's of financials um, for self-employed and you might have some joy with CBA as well. Um, But it comes back to like, you're going to need... I would presume when you refi to do the renovations, I don't know if you're just putting in a new sink in a bathroom and need five grand or you're going, give me 200 grand, we're doing this baby. Like, um, Yeah, it's the latter. We're going to 250 probably. Yeah, so you're going to need some meat for the renovation anyway. Um, and that's what I mean. Like if you were going, to, how much do you reckon you'll try and do through the NAB equity builder? Plan it. We've got about $20,000 as our kind of stake, our down payment. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit like buying a property, right? You have to have a, um, a deposit and then they can lend you some more money. So we're hoping to have... 20. So that would get about 80 grand yeah. off, off that or something? That's right. So yeah. Yeah, 100 all up. So 20 will be our own shares. So we've mm. got um, DH, what is it, DZZF? It's the yeah, beta the, shares, the diversified beta shares. ethical. Yeah. Um, so we've got some of those and a little bit of AFIC. And we'll put that together. That's inside the trust already. So we'll transfer that yeah. over to NAB. They'll lend us about another 80, as long as it's invested in pretty safe, again, yeah. you know, those kind of diversified ETFs. Yeah, it's funny, like, you know, I I don't ever say time in the market, but like, will you just have that 80 grand of theirs in the wings ready to pull the trigger? So if there is a bit of a rocky road going in or? No, I, I'm a kind of, as soon as it's there, I, I invest it. I yeah. try not to time the market. Sometimes yeah. I'll be lucky. And, you know, I was in the midst of the coronavirus dip in the market when it dipped 20 yeah. and 30%. I was like, where where can I find some yeah. more money to invest? So I tipped out our savings. So I took all the money we've been saving up for a new car for the last 10 years. That, yeah. all, that all went into the market. Um, yeah. yeah. So just take advantage of it. And that's it. Like I, I honestly month on month, week on week, I don't time the market. Like no. I just do a monthly amount 
in investing uh, in super and into my investment bond. But the self-wealth account that I've got, it sits cash heavy. Um, just so, you know, if there is an event, well, I just tip some money in. Like, yep. like uh, yeah, it's weird. Like I don't systematically time the market because you can't win, right? But I just like... I guess what I'm getting at is I don't like to be in a position where if an opportunity presents itself that I've got nothing to take advantage of that opportunity. Right. Uh, and that could be I participated in an IPO the other day. Uh, I got an email and like, hey, we're doing this IPO. I had some cash there. So the shoe fit, right? right. But if I didn't have any cash available, I couldn't take advantage of that opportunity. So yeah, I'll do that even in a small way. So we invest every few months. Once we've got about $5,000, so we'll, in, we'll invest in whatever's next. It's normally mm. a rebalancing thing, so we just buy whichever ETF is slightly underweight. But if the market dips by 2% one day, I'm like, oh, mm. well, I'm not due to invest until next month. Right? I've only got Three four grand. I'll just go, yeah. go today. May as well, 2%. That's yeah, just a little bit of a discount. Absolutely, mm. I'm going to go early. I guess there's just those checks and balances like you just kind of get to the point where you start trading and, oh, it's high, so I'll sell and then I'll wait. So, yeah, like I think we both agree that we both buy and hold for the long term right. and systematically invest. But if there is an opportunity there, we want some uh, powder in the keg um, yeah. to take so advantage of So can I ask another uh, advice question from you? This is uh, not- Sure, but we're going to take a break first. Great and then stuff. we'll come back and you can ask me a question right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Okay, we're back. We're speaking with Neil. He's from Brisbane. He's mad. He's a mad dog. (laughs) And... Before we get onto your question, Neil, uh, I want to thank everyone for purchasing my book, Sort Your Money Out and Get Invested. Have you purchased that yet, Neil? I've got two copies. Is it one of my desk? Two copies? Where did you bloody get two copies from? Uh, so there's, there's one. Oh, wow. And then, well, that's, that's a friend of yours. She, oh, yeah, Victoria's. Yeah. Yep. yep. She's um, on the money. We've just edited out something, guys, that uh, Neil said he bought my book for somebody else. Um, have you had a bit of a flick through it? Uh, I have. I've started it. So I've read the first, I don't know, probably 10 pages. I, yeah, yeah. It's, I love reading it because I can hear your voice when I'm reading it. Yeah. And I know there's a few people in the Facebook group have posted up some of the slang that you've got. Sangle as yeah. a prangle. I caught a few people out. They didn't yeah. know that, that was a typo. But yeah, love hearing your voice. It wasn't a typo. Yeah, no, I know. But yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool. Um, I can't wait for the Audible version to come out as well so I can just listen to it. I love listening to books. I'm much better... Uh, well, in fact, if I really want to really read a book and take it all in, I do both at the mm. same time. So I'll read it and play the audible version in my ears at the same time. Don't do that for me because <laughs> the audio one, I told the people, because like I'll just be reading it and I said, if it's not word for word and it makes sense on a human level, leave it in there. Uh, but yeah, but actually I'll tell you something funny. Um, and we were going to play a testimony of somebody who'd bought the book, but we might not. Um, because I can't be bothered finding it for Nate to insert. Uh, but Neil, you've been impressed so far with the first 10 pages. Yes. I'd recommend everybody go out right now and buy the first 10 pages. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how wild is this? So we're recording this audiobook, 
And I was originally contracted for 60,000 words, right? For this book. So they've booked the book in, they've booked the audio book in and I got to 70,000 words and I called Wiley. I'm like, I need to, you know, I'm not even nowhere near finished. Like this book is not going to be, you know, it's not going to be 60,000. So kept going. And so then when it got time to read the audio book, I made the call uh, after speaking to everyone in the My Millennial Money community that I would read the audio book. And they wanted me to audition, not Wiley, the other audiobook people, and um, they were a bit hesitant to have me read it. So anyway, what was supposed to take five business days to do took about 12 mm. uh, because one, the book is double the size of what they thought. And two, I can't read that great. And three, it's just an excruciating process. Anyway, so I'm at the studio yesterday finishing up and I wanted to make a difference. So the case studies in the book, I've got voiceover people, I've got Asher and Alex uh, to do that. Um, the coroner's report in the book, Dave, the voiceover, the other engineer in the studio, he did that for us. Uh, so it had a bit of fun. Anyway, one of the people in audiobook land, because it was getting to the point where they were really frustrated at the time that it was taking and they had to push out the delay, mainly because one, I'm useless, and two, um, we couldn't get back in to finish it because we had to wait till the studio was free. Oh. Anyway, so we were going into calling because you know at the start of audiobooks, and apologies if you want us to get back to money, but we will. At the start of audiobooks, they go, you're listening to an audible title read by... Uh, by Glenn James, read by Glenn James. Like, I'm just like, I'm not saying that. That's ridiculous. It sounds weird. And I said, I want to say written and read by me, Glenn James. Like, just so it's, you know. Oh, human? Oh, no. Oh, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. And I'm like, no, nah, it's my bloody book. I'm doing that. Anyway, so someone called somebody who made the decision on it and we were going to ask this person and he had it on speakerphone he said, oh, hi, how are you? And this person goes, oh. Anyway, on speakerphone, having the biggest whinge about me and didn't know. And Dave and I just looked, oh, I shouldn't say his name or whatever. Dave and I just looked at each other like, oh, awkward. And I'm just going, I'm egging him on like, yeah, keep it going. Let's see what she said. Anyway, so bit of a like annoyance. And it was just so funny that um, they were having a whinge because I was slow and useless and all that. But it's just like, hey. It's my book. My audience wanted to hear my voice. And if we weren't doing this, you wouldn't have a job for this part of the project because anyway. So oh. the, uh, the sequel is going to be self-published, is that right? Is that, is that the announcement nah. you're about to drop? No, nah, I, I just think the sequel or the next book, if I do one, <laughs> I've actually started writing it, oh. but um, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know if I'll do the audio book. Yeah. I don't know. I probably will because just the investing stuff, it just took so long doing all the numbers and all that. Anyway, sorry, we're ranting everyone. All right, so what did you want to ask me? You wanted my advice. I can't give well, you my advice, but I can give you my opinion. What would, you, what would you do in a situation like mine? We're going to buy this new car. It's not due to arrive now for a long, long time, this big bus. Mm -hmm. It's about $60,000. We've got $60,000 in our offset that we've been saving uh, up for 10 years. That's, yeah. yeah, it's... it's um, it's got an automatic tailgate. Imagine that. Automatic, I can't believe it. Wow. Uh, 
rich much? Do we spend our savings that we've been saving up for the car on the car? Do we get a mm. do we get a car loan and make it hurt? Mm. You know, a couple mm. of percent uh, feel mm. feel that depreciation burn, mm. or do we take the money out of our investments that we've got outside of the family trust and then use the savings to put inside the family trust? Gosh. It's a nice Gosh. problem to have. I, you know, I appreciate the privileged position that we're in, but um, yeah. Oh man, so you're, you're a bit of a car nut. I don't know how you pay for your cars. So, so for me, I personally pay cash. So, bam, one yep. transfer done. I do that for a number of reasons. One, I just don't want to have a car loan. Like, I just don't want to pay a $9.95 monthly fee. I don't want to have to fill out paperwork. I don't want to have to deal with that stuff. So I do cash. Secondly, it hurts me more to part with a lump sum than to go, oh, yeah, I can afford $500 a month. Like, that's easy. I'll just do that. And then you get into the the looking and before you know it, oh, it's only $5.30 a month and you've gone up $20,000 or whatever that is, Right. So for me, this, and what I'll do, let's, um, we'll see if Vince is available and I'll just patch him in. Well, Vince is, because Vince Scully is the guy who would have me take out a car loan. Vince would have you take out a car loan. Um, so let's, let's see if Vince is available. <laughs> Maybe he's busy. Fascinating podcasting. <laughs> yeah, Nathan, this bit can uh, hit the floor. Ah, leave it, stuff him. <laughs> All right, he's not answering. But if he calls back. So Vince basically is the opposite. Because when you look at it, you are borrowing money as long as you've got a mortgage, right? Right. So $60,000 paying on a car, you're borrowing against the mortgage anyway because you're not living in it. Now... It's, yeah, I, That's true. It's a good I don't know. So the question is, do you, in your situation, this one I probably would entertain in your situation. I've resolved I'm not doing it for me because I need to feel the big lump of cash leave, which in turns makes me spend less. What you could do is, when are you doing the renovations? Starting... Probably in January. Could you? How do you have like enough meat in your house to borrow three hundred? Yeah. So why wouldn't you set go to the bank or whoever, whether it's ING or whoever will give you the money, refi the house, carve off a separate fifty grand loan or whatever sixty grand loan for the car, and then at least you can just pump that over time separately. I don't know. Yeah, I just, $50,000 over whatever we've got left on our mortgage, 25 years, even though the interest rate's pretty low, we'd have, no, to, but you, we'd have to really go at that to make it worthwhile. You, you just have to make sure you punch it within four years. Yeah. Um, like whatever way you cut it, you're borrowing money. Right, borrowing money from my future self if I just yeah. take today's savings, yeah. Yeah. Um, like would you look at, I know it's it's actually funny at this time with COVID. I was going to say, would you look at a two-year-old car? But it's probably just as the more cheap expensive. to buy a new one. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right because of the stock. So, yep. yeah, man. I don't know. What's your gut feeling say? Just write it. Just write the check. 
and be done with it. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah. I've had leases and things in the past, and yeah, mm. life was never simpler when it was like that. So, what's your car that you use? We have a 2011 Hyundai yeah. iX35. Co- yeah. Cost us about 14 grand five years mm. ago, six years ago. Yeah. Um, oh, so you've only got one car? Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, I used to have a scooter, a 250cc Honda scooter. I would ride around to clients on that, but since COVID, it mm. just sat in the driveway, so I sold that for scrap. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think you really got to just, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's one of those things like Vince all day long will say, get a car loan, quarantine it, make the depreciation hurt and do it over four years. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. All right, might, uh, I, like the, I like the idea of the mortgage thing. I need to get back to our broker and see what we can do there. Cause, uh, yeah, I, need like, and I'll, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, One, it's a, it's a double decision. Like, If you're going to buy the car with cash, we'll go and do that. I'm not selling down investments and shuffling money. Like, That's getting ridiculous. Buy the car, move it. But if you're like, well, I'd rather cash flow it over four years with the car loan, or, or the mortgage. Well, we're in the loan territory anyway. I'd rather set up the paperwork and have a split on the mortgage at 3% than a car loan at 5%. Right. Like that's kind of how I would look at it. Yeah. But that's a trap for me because then I'll get cute and want to spend more. Oh, and the tinted windows and the spoiler and the yeah, 20 inch wheels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, none of those are an option on a Kia Carnival. <laughs> no, that's right. So. Anyway, Vince isn't answering, so that sucks. Well, anything else you want to add? Is there anything that you want to talk about that we did not um, I cover? Thought, I thought an interesting one, because uh, you quite often ask people what kind of charities they support. Yeah. So I made a note, yeah. I made a note of some of those. because. Oh, that's right. Rachel sent you the pre-question. Sorry. Yeah. She's so good, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. Not that you've used any of those, by the way. No, I do. Okay, so, okay, I'll, I kid you not. Those questions that you've got sent when we do these My Millennial Story episodes or My Gen X Story episodes for this one, <laughs> we actually have them there. So I've got a framework and a base camp to go back to because if I get someone that I can't click with or you've got to really force the conversation, I can just, I've just got them to go back to. Like there's always different questions. Uh, but there is a question there, like what charity do you support or what, you know, so what, yeah, what's your giving situation like? I do it mostly through my company. So yeah. one of my businesses is a member of an organization called 1% for the Planet, which yeah. is a charitable organization that supports environmental causes. And what you have to do with 1% for the Planet to be a member is mm. donate 1% of all your revenues to an environmental cause and you have to, you pay a couple hundred bucks to this organization and then you donate whatever you want and they validate, they check your accounts at the end of every year to make sure you've donated 1% of your sales. So Patagonia, Honest Tea, and then a couple of Australian companies like Keep Cup, if you ever use one of those plastic cups to get your coffee. And one of my favorites, Four Pines Brewing, they are all members of 1% for the planet. And I use 1% of my business's revenue to donate to the Foundation for National Parks and Wildlife. So we're supporting the regeneration of bushland and the national parks and help with bushfire recovery. And then Natasha and I have got a couple of personal charities that we support occasionally. It tends to be uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, So we'll take a look and go, oh, yeah, okay, we've got some cash left over. Let's top up our super. And if there's any money left over, 
We've got the Prince Charles Hospital Foundation here in Brisbane who looked after Natasha's little brother before he passed. And then mm. Micah Projects who look after homeless folks around Brisbane. And a favourite of mine is the Smith family who look after disadvantaged families, particularly kids in Australia as well. So, mm. yeah. Because I think it's important to note, to always encourage people, it's, it's not really so much about the charity or the cause. It's about not being attached to your own money to the point where you can't be generous, right? Yep. Um, so you're, would you say you're a bit of a greenie, like given that you've made that comment about the net zero and all that before, like it's topical right now and that you do the planet stuff. And I'm not yep. saying that's a bad thing. Um, so you would say you're more of that tilt, obviously. Sure. Because your money speaks louder than words a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I would. I, uh, we had a great time. When we left California, we took six weeks and drove across the US to New York and visited as many national parks there as we could. We used mm-hmm. to love visiting national parks and the mountains and stuff in the UK. And even here in Australia, we really enjoy the outdoors and everything that Queensland has to offer. We're going to Tasmania. We're going to do some mountain climbing down there in January. And I love it. I love getting out and seeing our planet. And mm-hmm. I work in IT. And I, th- I read recently that IT contributes 4% of the world's greenhouse gases. Um, the, the internet usage does anyway, so it's just as much as airlines. So mm. I think the industry that I work in has some way to go. And you know, if I can do play my own little part there, then, then that's cool. On that, um, I've just started a book uh, called Soil. Can you see that? Yeah, it's an audio book. That's the cover of it. It's a bit not in focus. Um, yeah, yep. it's called Soil. Uh, the Incredible Story of What Keeps the Earth and Us Healthy by Matthew Evans. Uh, and it's fascinating. They basically, he said one teaspoon of soil, there's more uh, microbes or little thingies in that teaspoon than there are people on the planet. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I find it quite cathartic and I've heard uh, anecdotally that Doing gardening is actually really good for your mental health, getting your hands in the dirt, in the earth. Because um, oh. I'll sometimes... Oh, do you know you're a millennial? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know nothing. By gardening? Me. Yeah, that's right. Well, so I I get... I If I've got to make a phone call, sometimes I'll go out in the back lawn and just weed while I'm on the phone. Yeah. So, so on that, like when you do the renos to the house, are you allocating you know, 15 grand for solar and batteries and all that? The house had solar when we bought it. I don't know how long ago that was, probably 10 years. So I don't know. Do you need to replace solar after a while? I guess the inverter... I think they they reckon the panels last 20 years. Yeah. So Um, All you'd have to do is get someone to throw a meter on it and see if it's... um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get them cleaned for sure. Yeah. And we were really lucky. We had a feed-in tariff that was pretty good at one stage and it actually paid for our gas bill. So there's enough wow. money left over from the electricity. So we got a gas water heater and gas for cooking and it covered that as well. So a free energy. So what I'm considering doing is getting, and actually I'm going to do that right now. I'm just going to make a note. I'm going to text the neighbours because we're in strata here to see if they care if I put solar panels on my part of the roof. But I'm also going to get a battery. And then, yeah, you're making a weird face. So the battery, the, the trade-off in terms of costs, it's not there yet. Um, but I want it just to have a big surge protector on my house uh, because, you know, I've got all this studio gear as well. Uh, And then if there is a blackout or, you know, we get the summer storms come through, uh, at least if I'm recording or whatever, everything will stay on and I can, you know, wrap up and power down stuff or whatever. 
So that's what I'm going to look at doing. Yeah, there's a lot of good things about them. You know, we, we have a tendency to put the laundry on, for example, at nighttime. It's like, no, yeah. no, no, no. Got to put it on during the day. It's an old habit from when I grew up as a kid. There was a different rate for electricity at nighttime, much cheaper. Yeah, so, off-peak, yeah. yeah off-peak, so you'd put your dishwasher on, you put your washing machine on at nighttime. In yep. Australia, if you've got solar on the roof, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be putting it on during the day. Um, yeah. Old habits are hard to get out of sometimes. So yeah. yeah, but battery would obviously give you the flexibility to do either. I think if I was going to buy an electric car, for sure, I would have a battery at home. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's what, good like, On the car thing, like I was actually looking at Tesla the other night and for the Model 3, it's like 150 grand. Like That's the budget I, one, that's right. That's, oh, I think S is the, uh, hang on, let's have a look. Model 3 is the budget one. S is the original. Oh, sorry, scooter. Model S Tesla. Um, shopping, see if I can buy one of these. Oh, you've got me. I'm just going to go to car sales, Tesla, Model 3. Let's have a look. Yeah, so the Model 3. Oh, yeah, I can get a 2020 for 65 grand. So it might be the Model S. Right. That's, yeah, the Model S is the more expensive one. Um, so uh, 2019 model for 115 grand. Uh, 2015 for 70 grand. See, I'm just not, I just can't bring myself to, yeah, here we go. 2019 Tesla Model S, 150 grand. Yowza. Like, I can't bring myself to spending that much on a freaking car. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, so I'm thinking like, I was looking at Tesla and then I was like, I honestly think I'll just wait until, you know, Mazda now have a electric thing. So once it's more mainstream, right. the price is just going to come down. So I'm about to pay a lot of money for a diesel minibus. And I'm wondering yeah. if that's going to be the last, it's certainly probably going to be the last internal combustion engine car I'll ever own, we'll ever own. Mm. Mm. But you know, will I be one of the last people driving it as well? You know, we, we plan to drive this thing for 10 years until the kids grow up and leave home. And yeah. what's the situation going to be? Who am I going to sell it to? Is there anybody going to want to buy a diesel family vehicle at that stage? They're all going to be electric, yeah. I think. So, yeah, interesting times. The fun bus, yeah. yeah. Well, it's been good to have a chat. And thank you, everyone, if you're still hanging around. Uh, I just like chatting to different listeners of the show and hopefully you can learn, be encouraged, be entertained, whatever. Um, and thank you, Neil, for... Lending us, lending us your time. Actually, I just got an email from Rach. Well, I got it over an hour ago. Um, here's Neil's details. A couple of facts about me. Met Glenn and John at the M3 live show in Brisbane. Yep, we've covered that. 46-year-old, a millennial wannabe. Yep, we've covered that. Married with three kids, lives in Brisbane. We've covered that. Lived in the UK and US, so we have investments all over the place. Yep. Run my own IT business. Yep. Made heaps of the investing mistakes. Okay, what? And then happy to talk about anything really in relation to our finances. What was some of the investment mistakes that you made? So this was through an independent financial advisor in the UK. Mm. He was rubbish. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So he got me into all sorts of expensive, complicated things, and partly because, especially, I'm a pretty risk tolerant now. But I was even more mm. so when I was, mm. you know, early twenties. I wanted to invest in some alternative assets. One of them mm. that he got me into was a, like a forestry investment oh, uh, yeah, that yeah. Uh, really just went to zero. That was complete yeah. write-off. Got nothing out of that one. The other one was even worse. So it's it's through like a rapid platform in the UK, and yep. it was an investment in 
life insurance pr uh, products. So if you were terminally ill with cancer, oh, but, yeah. but you had a life insurance uh, policy and you wanted to sell it early so you could yes. use the cash to have a you know nice last year, whatever, of your life, then this company would pay you, whatever it is, 80% of the value of the policy, buy it from you and continue to pay the premiums on your behalf until you pop your clogs and they would get the payout. That was, yeah, no, not, not, uh, ethically, I'm not even sure I would go there again. But mm. um, not only has it gone to zero, but I can't get off the wrap platform because I can't sell it. It's completely liquid. Oh, it's a liquid. There's yeah, yeah, all yeah. sorts of uh, uh, bankruptcy proceedings that's dragged on for 10 years. So I have to pay a wrap platform fee every year. And I have to pay more because I don't live in the UK anymore. So I'm now underwater. You know, I'm, I've lost all my investment. Plus, these guys reckon I still owe them two or three thousand pounds because they've been managing this illiquid, uh, bankrupt oh, investment gosh. for ten years. So, so those uh, products—they're—they're they're not actually needed in Australia because in Australia, most death policies have at least an eighteen-month terminal illness benefit. Right. So, if you certify that you're going to die within two years or eighteen months. I'll just write the check anyway and yeah. give you the money. And if you survive, well, that sucks yep. for them. I mean, it's good for you. Um, but yeah, I'd, I had heard of stuff like that out of the UK. Yeah, um, some, some crazy, crazy things. So mm. yeah, that was a, a painful lesson. So now that's why I just stick to nice, simple ETFs. Uh, like I said, I've got two single company investments, but yeah, I try and keep Oh yeah, simple. what are the two? You got Microsoft, Microsoft what was the other one? Adobe. Oh, Adobe, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, they're, yeah. They're doing really well. Oh, yeah. the other one is actually Berkshire Hathaway. I, bu I bought a bit of Warren Buffett's, uh, whatever it is, the Class B one, the, 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 yeah. ch the cheapo one. And yeah. it's pretty mediocre, the returns on that in the last five or six years. I don't mm. know, Warren's lost it, but he sold all his airline investments in the middle of COVID, lost a heap of money there. Um, IBM was a stinker for him. Yeah. yeah. But it just goes to show, like, again, can't beat the market. It's tough. On balance. Well, um, he's got a pretty good track record. He for the does, preceding but, 40 years, right? So. Oh, absolutely. But still, um, in terms of you investing, you can't beat the market. Nope. And you don't uh, need to, right? No. I'm pretty happy if I can get market returns the rest of my life. I'll be a happy, happy mm. person. Yeah, totally. All right, Neil, uh, and give your podcast a shout out. Uh, if anybody... Three if, people left <laughs> If anybody's into building amazing applications, that's the Memorial Podcast. You'll find me everywhere good podcasts are sold. And uh, you can look out for Neil's Little Lego Man. And why Why is the Little Lego Man your logo? So everybody who completes my online training course gets... Uh, ah. So this is um, a little Lego figure with my c company logo on the shirt. And OzPost used to send these to anybody who completed my course for three dollars fifty. And now they've, wow. they've changed the postage rate; it's now twenty-seven dollars fifty. So I don't send I don't send these out anymore. But um, yeah, That's amazing. So lots of you can see all my Lego logos in the background. It's, yes, uh, it's all tax right off. The company buys all of that. The kids build it. <laughs> all right, Neil, and thank you everyone for listening today. Thanks, Neil, for hanging out. It's been great just to chew the fat and yeah, have a chat. It's been great fun. Thanks, Len. Thanks for all, all you right. do. Appreciate it. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. 
If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.